The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Good evening and welcome to Managing to be Wealthy. I'm your host for the night, Craig Konstantinovich. With me is Spencer Hagar, and we also have Jared Locke as well. Spencer and I certified financial planners, and Jared, hopefully soon to be a certified financial planner. That is the hope. Happy Halloween here, boys. How are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad I can make it for the Halloween show. You're not spooked out at all? <laughs> no, but I am enjoying the nice weather. There was nothing <laughs> eerie about walking in today? No, but now you have me thinking twice about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you never know. It's tricks or treats, so sometimes you got to make sure you got both ends covered. I have been watching The uh, the Haunting of Hill House. I think I'm like a year and a half late to the party, so but <laughs> yeah, I'm not watching it at night anymore. So. <laughs> Why, you can't have those bad dreams anymore or anything like that? Eh, it's a give and take, give and take. So I got to ask, I mean, obviously with it being one of my personal favorite holidays here, do we know the history about Halloween at all? Very little. Definitely need brushed up on it. <laughs> all right, well, good, good, because that's what I am here for, is to give a little history lesson before we jump into our topics of the evening here that are also a little spooky. Um, but basically it started way back when uh, the Celtics actually so we're talking ireland uk france mm -hmm. basically this was essentially their new year's so they would mark every single year november 1st was the start of their new year it was all based around the crop circles the crop timelines everything else and basically what they would do is they would have their druids basically their priests and they would go out and they would create sacrifices to their deities to make sure that any of the souls that may still be trapped in our world or anything like that left all the crops and everything else be so they could still have a good harvest. So they would dress up in costumes with animal heads, furs, that kind of thing, and sure enough, they would create big bonfires, and that would be different sacrifices that they would offer to hope for a good harvest at that point. Yeah, I'm glad we evolved, and now we just do it for candy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. It's just gone down to, hey, are you going to be you know, Iron Man? Are you going to have some kind of fun costume or... What kind of candy are you going to be passing out? So we've come a long way since then. That is interesting, though. When you said that, I was thinking it was going to be something related to South America or the Day of the Dead or something like that, but that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a different time of year, Spencer. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that yeah, then, but that right, right now we'll focus <laughs> yeah. on this one here. So, um, But yeah, a little spooktacular uh, show brought to you here tonight. So we are going to be talking about everyone's favorite thing in this world. The only thing that's scarier than Halloween is not having an estate plan in place. So we're going to dive into that here in a little bit, talk a little bit more on that. But Spencer, we've had, you know, again, every single week we get different numbers, different updates on things. What were some of the larger financial updates that we received this week? Yeah, so the big one came out today. So it was third quarter GDP, uh, gross domestic product for the U.S. And it was a little bit of a disappointing number, unfortunately. Uh, so a couple months back, before some of the supply chain issues, they were hoping it was going to be closer to maybe 7%. We would mm -hmm. just keep ramping up through the end of the year, which would have been beautiful. 
Then the supply chain problems hit, dropped to more like 3.6%. Then they dropped it again to 2.8%. And then it came in today at 2%. So first quarter, second quarter, it was more like 6, 6.2%. So it's definitely a disappointer. I'm not sure how surprised people were, but it's never good when you see it come in below estimates like that. Well, on top of that, too, you had the Delta variant that came into play and and everything else. So, I mean, there's certainly a lot of factors that are playing into it here, but yeah, again, obviously well off the beaten path of what's expected to be a 6-7% GDP year. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens in Q4, because yeah. they're saying a big part with this one was that consumer spending was down, and if there's one thing I can trust to, to go up in Q4, it's going to be people going out and spending money. So More but, than likely. Yeah, was, I mean, unless there's yet another variant that's leering its ugly head out there, but we'll save that for the experts sure, to tell us. absolutely. <laughs> so not only that, but we also had some updates on home sales, um, some other things that may be happening in, in that arena. W- what were the updates there? So they're saying the just housing purchases in general are going down. They're trying to attribute it to higher mortgage rates. I'm not sure personally how much I buy that. Um, yeah. I've been dealing with a lot of people doing refinances or just looking at rates. and Probably the second or third time they're refinancing. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but even the people going out to buy the home, I haven't seen rates tick up that much. Granted, they didn't isolate what was causing it so i don't know if we're just it's been such a hot market it's still a hot market that Mm -hmm. maybe that's part of it but yeah i don't know if i buy it being uh the mortgage rates going up but the housing sales went down all the same so that was a big part absolutely yeah i mean it's been a very uh interesting couple of years here with everything going on seeing where people are and aren't willing to spend money i I mean you know realistically we're going to see probably even more changes in the next six months but Something to keep the eyes on here. Again, nothing that uh, is unexpected or anticipated to change things on a much more macro level, but something we got to pay attention to at least. Yeah, I don't feel like people usually, if this was not in a time of post-COVID, I'm not sure how interesting it would be to talk about GDP, but... You have people tweeting about hyperinflation and what's the economy going to do and what's going on with jobs. So Mm -hmm. I think everyone's going to be interested for at least another couple months a year we'll see what happens yeah it, it's it's going to be interesting to say the least but on to other topics onward and upward as they say right yeah onto the spooky stuff <laughs> onto the spooky <laughs> stuff um so again estate planning you know last week uh we had our show that was brought to you by cole uh hammock of our office he was the host and it, it was talking about myths and financial planning and Jared, I think you were also a part of that show, right? I sure was. So what was one of the last myths that you guys had touched on? Uh, one of the last myths that we had touched on was that uh, the thought that not everyone needs an estate plan mm-hmm. um, or that it's possibly just for the wealthy or, and things like that. But it really comes down to everyone could use an estate plan. Absolutely. I mean, even you yourself, you probably need to start getting your estate plan drafted up, right? Yeah. It was something I wanted to knock out a bit in college and then COVID hit. So <laughs> I wanted to use those student legal services. To my you know, advantage. eventually we're not going to be able to use that as an excuse. So. I know. Every month that passes. <laughs> <laughs> So absolutely. So estate planning, we're going to dive into the details of what it is, what it isn't, what pitfalls can be there. Um, But at the end of the day, what I always tend to tell people is when you think about estate planning, you're you're really not trying to help yourself out. You're, You're not trying to put yourself in a better position per se. What you're doing is you're making sure that your heirs are going to be in a better position. Um, I know we have Kim of our office who likes to, you know, be the self proclaimed uh, estate expert, uh, so to speak, that works very in-depth with attorneys and everything. But me personally, I know you guys have heard it, but for those who haven't on the air, 
uh, I'm a product of good financial planning, thankfully. And uh, when my father passed away about 11 years ago, you know, part of that is having that good estate plan in place. So when he passed, we didn't have to worry about keeping food on the table, the roof over our head. Um, and because of that, you know, I'm able to do what I do today and I can appreciate it that much more. So every time I look at a plan, the estate plan is 100% you know, one of my primary focuses, because without that, you could be putting people at a world of hurt here. Mm -hmm. um, so like I said, we'll dive into some of the details of what it is. And uh, again, knowing that we've been spending the first half giving a, a little bit of excess knowledge outside of that here. Jared, in, in your mind, what is an estate plan or what exactly is included in that? Yeah, an estate plan can, uh, you know, be a multitude of things, but it comes down to what many people have probably heard is uh, having a will, your powers of attorney, uh, possibly a trust. But what it does is it sets up that once you pass, um, it says where your stuff is going to go um, so that your beneficiaries don't really have to worry about that once once you do pass. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, it's the process of designating who will receive your assets and handle your responsibilities if you can't do it, whether that's because you pass or because you have some kind of lingering injury that prevents you from doing it. Um so again, when, when you do that, like you had mentioned, Jared, one of the big things is to make sure that who you want to inherit the money or in, inherit your assets or fulfill those responsibilities to make sure that they're the right people. Mm -hmm. And what most people don't realize is that at the end of the day, everyone has an estate plan, but you may not be in control of it. Someone else will. So we're coming up on a hard break here. We're, we're going to touch on that a little bit further here in just a moment, but you're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. <laughs> You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Good evening and welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy. I'm your host for the night, Craig Konstantinovich, and with me I have Spencer Hagar and Jared Locke. So, gentlemen, we were talking in the last segment a little bit about what's going on in the world here. A little bit of history lesson for the listeners on Halloween and where everything stems from. But we wrapped up with the very spooky topic of estate planning, just giving the general overview of it. Uh, so, Jared, remind us real quick, what exactly is included in an estate plan or what is an estate plan? Yeah, an estate plan is pretty much just designating where you want your assets and stuff to go mm -hmm. um, and just controlling it. Sometimes it's referred to as, you know, having control beyond the grave. Um, you yeah. don't want to come back as a zombie or anything like that to carry out your wishes, right? Yes. <laughs> Maybe not so much in a literal sense, but uh, <laughs> yes, it, it, it is uh, carrying out your wishes once you've passed and uh, making sure that you're, the people that you care about are able to grieve and everything else is taken care of past that. Yep, absolutely. So it's a very important piece. There's a number of documents. We're going to dive into all of that here. Uh, as we go through this, uh, I mentioned it in the previous segment, but you know we, we've got other shows with other topics, other things that are happening here. We understand that the estate plan may not be your primary focus, but we've got plenty of topics or conversations to be had. So feel free to visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com. Uh, last week, for instance, Jared, you were a part of it. We were talking about missing financial planning. Uh, so we've got everything that's there, a radio library. Anywhere where you listen to podcasts, everything's accessible there as well, whether it's Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, um, but plenty of resources that are out there. So, okay, so looking at that, so we, we know why we want to have it. We know that with an estate plan, our goal is to make sure that we maximize our heirs' inheritance, make sure we don't uh, 
overlook anything that may need to happen within the estate in estate plan. So Spencer, let's say that, hey, I realize like some other people in the room here, hey, maybe I need to get an estate plan in place. Where do you start? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, we as financial planners, usually we have to say start with the attorney, but I mean, there's a couple of different things and even to backtrack a little bit, I think when you try and talk about myths with the estate plan, I think you can almost break it into two separate myths. One is you don't need one. Generally, at least in my mind, I think of someone who's single, no kids, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know, if something happens to me tomorrow, God forbid, whoever's, you know, family, they'll get whatever I have and deal with it. You know, that's mm-hmm. fair. The other one is, you know, I don't need an estate plan unless I'm wealthy. I'm guessing if you make that comment, you're probably thinking of a trust. So obviously, depending on which situation you're in or how complex your plan is, that's going to affect where you start with. Mm-hmm. If I was in maybe the uh, if I was coming from the standpoint that I'm single, maybe I don't think I have a whole lot going on. You know, here in Ohio, you can go on, just look at draft documents. You know, they have a state of Ohio will, living will, those powers of attorneys we were talking about. Maybe just look at that, get a feel for what they're looking for, requiring, and what an estate plan really is. And then there's the DIY tools out there. I always think of LegalZoom. There's a handful of others, but that's probably where I'd start. So that's definitely a good place to start, but absolutely an estate planning attorney because not every single attorney is created the same. They all have areas of uh, specialty, expertise. So you want to find an estate attorney should you choose to go that route. You know, you had mentioned, Spencer, there's other tools, there's other resources that could be out there. But realistically, for anything that's outside of maybe the absolute bare bones basics, just getting started, probably should at least start to look towards an estate attorney to use. And the nice part is a lot of employers have those legal service benefits mm-hmm. that are tied into, you know, something you can op- opt into. And knowing that we're at that time of year for a lot of people may not be worth, you know, paying a couple bucks per pay just to get that taken care of, get everything locked up. And then all of a sudden, maybe you don't need to have your estate plan re- revised or reviewed for another couple of years. But uh, really, it all comes down with starting outside of deciding where you want to start. It's taking an inventory of what it is that you have. And, you know, and a lot of people just think to themselves, oh, well, you know, I've only got, you know, a small IRA or maybe an employer provided plan, but there's other things that are out there. So, Jared, what other pieces could be involved in an estate plan? Yeah. I mean, outside of just the, uh, you know, your retirement accounts and stuff like that, you're going to have your big things like a house, cars, stuff like that. But even when it comes down to any collectibles that you might have, um, I know that I've talked to people who, you know, even the things that you don't think about, maybe a beneficiary wanting, that's something that they might cherish and feel close to, uh, close to, and are they're going to want to inherit that when you pass, um, whether it's you know baseball cards or a coin collection. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so some of those tangible assets, those things you can actually touch, feel, see, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Versus some of those other intangible assets, so things like life insurance, four hundred one ks, investment accounts, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, you want to make sure that you've you've got those there. And depending on where it is that you plan on going to get the estate plan drawn up, you may want to start to give an estimated value to some of those things. Because as we all know, every single piece to estate planning revolves around dollar amounts. So if you are going to undervalue or underestimate what something's worth, you're probably not going to necessarily have the best information to get your estate plan drawn up properly. So give it a fair shake. Give your first run through, and, and that way you've at least got a general idea on where things stand. 
Yeah, and I would say, I think you made a good point, and we almost brushed over it a little bit. With the estate plan, There's, I think we're kind of framing it as, you know, yes, do an inventory. And mm-hmm. We're talking about get documents in place, but things like setting beneficiaries for retirement accounts or life insurance, you don't necessarily need to wait until you have a will in place to go do that. No, 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 no. Exactly. So <laughs> what I'm saying is you can start that stuff right away, and then maybe when you do the documents, that's when I tend to think of things like do you have collectibles, heirlooms passed down from parents, grandparents, and then start to think about who do you want that to go to, Things like that and the value as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, so those those beneficiaries, those are always, always, always important to fill out. Even if you just have one person that you list to start, you can always change those and add those. And Spencer, to your point, depending on what is drawn up within your estate plan, you may have to change everything. Absolutely. So, uh, but outside of that, next thing up. So you also need to account for whatever your family's needs may be. Now, you know, we won't go into it again. We've got other shows, other conversations about it here, but whether that's special needs planning, whether that's making sure that money goes to, you know, child A versus child B, whether that's making sure that your spouse inherits, you know, the, the necessary pieces, all of those play into this to make sure that, hey, you've got everything protected and it's going to flow through where you intend it. So you got to make sure that you've got that taken care of, but that's the asset flow. What else do we have in the estate plan that we need to make sure is properly tended to to take care of our family? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot into that right there. And once again, I'd probably tie back to the goals. It's that's probably going to dictate some of those other aspects that are most important. Easy one is naming who you want to manage your estate. You know, Lord forbid something happens to you. Other aspect I immediately think of is if you have kids, I'm mm-hmm. guessing the goal or something that's top priority for you is naming guardianship provisions. Right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, if something happens to you, your children are below the age majority, who's going to take care of them? You want to make sure you have that designated name who you're comfortable with. That's that's a huge one right there. Yep, absolutely. Jared, anything else you can think of there? No, not really. I just, just to stress on that guardianship topic, I think it's, you know, Obviously, you want your kids to be taken care of, so really take the time to think about who you want watching your kids and have that conversation with those people and make sure that they're going to be taken care of. God forbid something happens. Exactly. And it's not even necessarily just, hey, who's going to take care of them or how are you going to raise them in my absence if God Mm -hmm. forbid that happens. But it's also like you had mentioned earlier to that perfect Halloween effect, that power beyond the grave, that zombie lifestyle, uh, as opposed to getting into that. Really what you want to do, too, is make sure that you have specifically how you expect children to manage the assets that you're going to leave behind. So that's where whether it's a trust, whether that's leaving something to someone else, you know, you got to make sure that you have those specific wishes outlined because otherwise, as soon as you reach the age of majority, you can pretty much choose to do with that money whatever you would like. But here we are, guys, once again, coming up (laughs) on that hard break. So... We'll come back here from the break in just a moment, but you've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Good evening and welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is your host tonight, Craig Konstantinovich, and in studio with me, Spencer and Jared. Gentlemen, we've been talking to kind of get things started here, all about what an estate plan is, some of the basics of what things you need to look out for and how you need to make sure that you have your wishes properly outlined because, you know, as horrifying as it may seem, you don't always get the opportunity to have that power beyond the grave. So 
Uh, as we kind of wrap things up here again, we know that estate planning is a piece of your estate plan or of your financial plan, rather. <laughs> Too many plans going on here. Yeah. Um, but we know that it's a part of your financial plan. And in some instances, you may not necessarily know where to start, what to do. So outside of listening to podcasts, things like that, you know, we'd be more than happy to sit down with you, have you come into our Bethel Grove office, uh, have a complimentary consultation meeting to talk about what your plan has. Maybe you do need an estate plan. Maybe you need assistance in finding the right attorney to work with, whatever the case may be. But we'll have you sit down with one of our certified financial planners and make sure that any of your questions uh, are answered. And that way we can give you an idea on what it would look like to work together and, and what all our services include. Uh, so you can visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com, or you can give us a phone call at 614-326-3077. Well, guys, I know one of the big headlines here as a part of President Biden's tax proposals has been about estate tax laws. So we're not going to go there. Touched on that plenty so far. <laughs> but circling back here, what we do know today is you don't just have to worry about estate tax issues on the federal side. States can have their own estate tax laws and, and rules, and maybe it's not even estate taxes. Maybe it's if you inherit money, you're going to have to worry about that. So, Spencer, what are some of the states that uh, may be a little bit ghostly with keeping money in your pocket? <laughs> I like ghostly. Um, yeah, I'll stick with the estate taxes, and I'll let Jared hit the inheritance taxes. So two that I always think of because I've dealt with them in practice quite a few times. Um, one of the states, they're all primarily East Coast states, at least in my experience now, there's several others that have it as well, but one is Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. All right, so unlike the federal side, we won't be up, but right now the exemption's like $12 million and some change, so that's a pretty high bar to pass. Massachusetts, it's a little bit lower. It's actually very much lower. It's $1 million. Mm -hmm. So if you're a state, and that can include things like life insurance, so think about that too. That can boost your estate quite a bit. Well, and if you have a home there, I mean, exactly. goodness gracious, yeah. you want to talk about skyrocketing that that estate. Yeah, you, you can pass a million quickly. So anything above that, then you could be looking at estate taxes on the state level, which is brutal. And then Vermont's another one, a, lot, a decent amount higher. One's pretty low. Vermont's $5 million. Mm -hmm. So not nearly as bad, but once again, you're talking about homes, retirement accounts, life insurance. It's You can find yourself passing that bar pretty quickly. Yeah, and the, the percentage that's going to be taxed is usually pretty high at that point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so something to be very much aware of, and especially if you're in those instances, you know, like you had mentioned, Spencer, with life insurance or living in one of those states here, um, be aware of that. And certainly if that's the case, you got to reach out to an estate attorney. I'll say this too, and I promise I'll let's jump back to it. I will no. say <laughs> this is a testament to how something like an estate plan can tie into other aspects of the plan. Mm -hmm. Like when we bring it up, it's usually, oh, he wants me to do a will, powers of attorneys, maybe a trust is coming into the fold. But if we're sitting down talking about, hey, you have kids, the plan requires you to get this sort of life insurance, all of a sudden that can have an impact on, okay, now we do we need to worry about estate taxes, things like that. So mm -hmm. just point that out as well. They all intertwine. Exactly. As uh, someone once said, it's kind of like the gears of a clock. If all of a sudden one stops or if one's neglected, the others can't move freely and make sure that we're telling the right time. Absolutely. So we may be past the, the break as opposed to right in the, uh, the midst of the segment here. But um, So outside of the actual estate taxes uh, per state, Jerry, we had mentioned it, there's also inheritance taxes, right? Yeah, and it's a short list of states that do have the uh, inheritance tax. I believe it's about five or six, but I know our neighbors to the south and to the east both uh, levy an, an inheritance tax, and 
every state that has one, it's at least 10%. Mm-hmm. So definitely another thing that you need to look out for because that's a decent-sized chunk. Right. Absolutely. I mean, same thing. Hey, if it's, God forbid, the exemption amounts a million dollars, if all of a sudden you get $1.1 million, hey, you got 10% of that that's going to be subject to the actual tax. Mm-hmm. Just for sitting back and saying, sorry, someone decided to leave me money, I guess I got to pay some taxes on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so not always a, a fair shake of things here. Um and we've been focusing a lot on one of the one or two of some of the primary documents or ones that people initially think of, which are the will and trusts. So those are more so of the asset distributions. That's naming the right people to manage your estate if you're not there, take care of family, everything else. Um, and those wishes can change. So as part of that, just remember that while most people can sit back, do the documents, let them collect dust for 10 years, at the bare minimum, you got to take a look at them every once in a while and just make sure that the right people are still appointed, that you still have good relationships with them, and that your family's needs are still being addressed in those documents. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, the other big documents that, Spencer, I think you had mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, the power of attorney or the durable or financial power of attorney, as it's called, mm-hmm. uh, allows you to make financial decisions or to act on someone's behalf. But the one big thing to be very careful of is that takes effect today. So whoever you decide to list as your agent in that scenario has a lot of power. So you got to be very certain that you have that right person listed. And if not, or if you're uncertain if someone's going to be a good fit, maybe you look to do a springing power of attorney, which just as the name implies, springs into action only under certain events or certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the other documents that are out there, gents? Yeah, you've got your healthcare power of attorney as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, for any age, that's important. Um, one thing that a lot of people I don't think think about is when you're young, even 18 going into college, get that in place. Because if you, I mean, college kids do dumb things. I think I've said this in the past, but if you become incapacitated and your parents need to make a decision for you, whether mm-hmm. it comes to your medical decisions, you're going to want to have that healthcare power of attorney in place and have them named or somebody else you trust. So that that can be done. Um, yeah. I just, I think that it is of the utmost important to have that done. And I know some schools now are actually requiring some kind of document to be completed if you don't already furnish your own. Yep. So that that's a very big deal. You're right. And even the financial power of attorney at that point, you want to make sure as soon as you reach the age of 18 that you've got something in place because God forbid you can't you know manage your finances or something happens you're going to have to have someone that's looking out for your best interests as well. And uh, either Spencer or Craig had mentioned the uh, legal services offered through work. If you're a student, see if you're paying for student legal services at your college. It might be a small charge, but you can get all your documents done while you're in college, and it, it'll save you a lot of money in the long run. Absolutely. And then I think the last one, Spencer, is the living will. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Are you actually confused? Or are you well, just I mean, again, suspense? it's, it's yeah. you know basically the day of the dead here, and we're yeah. talking about something living. So I'm, ju- I'm just trying to make sure that we're on the same page. Yeah, they're all pretty morbid. The living will always strikes me as one of the most morbid. So it's essentially, you know, call it the pull the plug document. Mm-hmm. Once again, it's kind of past that point of making necessarily a medical power of attorney decision on your behalf. Usually that means you're already incapacitated to a severe extent and then it's do you want life-sustaining treatment and sometimes i'll actually lump that in with the healthcare power of attorney it'll be uh, an an advanced medical directive Mm -hmm. so sometimes i 
I'll mention the four of those, will, living will, powers of attorney, and then someone will get an advanced medical directive and they think they missed something. So sometimes they'll bundle those two together, but equally important. Yeah. And that's usually a state-by-state thing, right? Yes, absolutely. So be on the lookout for that here. Again, be familiar with what your state does or does not have as some of those templates that we were talking about earlier, or talk to your attorney about that to make sure that you're getting the, the best input possible here. Um Again, guys, I know it seems like we're talking about all this fun stuff, so lively, so vibrant, <laughs> yeah, yeah. everyone's favorite, but we're flying through things right now. We're actually coming up on our uh, our final break of the, the evening here, so you've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is the last segment tonight here. I'm your host, Craig Konstantinovich. We've got Spencer Hagar, and we also have Jared Locke with us tonight, all in studio here. And guys, we've been talking about the most ghastly thing out there, the estate plan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's the yeah, chuckles. Yeah. There we go. Someone's got to laugh. Tis the season, right? <laughs> hey, you get one day a year to do this. I'm going to make sure I try to use every single slight advantage that I can be in the host to slide those in. So, um, But we've been talking about estate planning. Uh, so far, we've kind of given a brief rundown on what the documents are, what positions or responsibilities you may want to take a look at. But... You know, like we said to start, you know, there's a lot of myths that we had talked about last week and, you know, that we talk about all the time with people that, hey, I don't need an estate plan. Well, as one of our planners always likes to say, hey, don't you know, everyone has an estate plan, but who's in control? If you draw up the documents, you are. If you don't, whatever lovely state you live in is now going to make all those decisions for you. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know any judges. I don't know anyone within the court system pretty sure that they're not going to know any of my wishes whatsoever. Yeah. I would agree with that logic. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's the case, you will be what's called dying intestate, where basically you don't have a will. And this is where a lot of problems can start to stem from. So as we look at this, remember, each state has different laws that you have to tackle. And we got to be certain that as you get through probate court, which is basically the court that decides where things go, who's in charge of what, et cetera, et cetera, when that starts to happen, that typically means the meter's running. And probate court can be very expensive, can be drawn out. These are things we got to keep in mind as we're taking a look at it. So um, as we're looking at it here, Spencer, as far as you know, what happens or how things kind of flow through probate, can you kind of give me a brief rundown on that? Yeah, unfortunately, once again, I have to say it depends. <laughs> so, Oh, that's everyone's favorite yeah, answer. Exactly. So it comes down to who's necessarily involved in your plan, quote unquote. So for example, if you it's just you and a spouse, no living parents, probably going to be pretty straightforward and probate. All right. It's still going to be timely. It's still going to be costly. But chances are it's just going to flow to your spouse. Usually they're the first one in line. If you have kids, once again, depends on what state you're in. But generally, it would still flow to the spouse of living. But- Kids can come into play, uh, come into the scenario as well. 
And once again, it's all at the court's discretion, and it depends on which state you're in. So, mm-hmm. But usually it's spouse first in line, children next, and then from there it can get a little sticky. Right. Maybe grandchildren if that's applicable, maybe parents, grandparents. I mean, it, it can go a lot of different directions at that point. Yeah, and I, I guess I will just jump in. I was about to not do it, but especially if you have a blended family. Oh, yeah. right. That's very common today, and that's okay. But if you have kids from maybe different marriages or an ex-spouse, current spouse, that can really muddy the waters, and that's a prime scenario where you want to make sure you've got your wishes addressed in some sort of documentation. Well, and then my mind immediately goes to one of my favorite movies of all time. So let's say that you're completely estranged from any family members. It's almost like a Mr. Deed scenario with Adam Sandler. Have you seen that movie? It's been a while. Oh, come on. <laughs> so basically the premise is a super super wealthy, almost a billionaire basically, has a long-lost nephew that lives you know, way out in the middle of nowhere, and he inherits this company. So now he's got to come back. He's got to manage the company, manage the estate, everything else. Wild movie. One of Adam's in the good Adam Sandler days, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you seen Greed with Michael J. Fox and oh, Kirk yeah. Douglas? Yep. All right, that's uh, feels like he stole that one. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he added comedy to yeah, it and then just go. spun it off a little bit on Very his own. Nice. But yeah, same thing. So if that's the case, then um, again, if you are in those scenarios too, if there's maybe an estranged child or if you have estranged family members. I mean, courts, depending on how far they want to go, they may send people out to actually find estranged family members, try to let them know, hey, you're an heir, you don't know it, but now you get an opportunity to uh, possibly inherit something. So always something to be mindful of as well. And whether they were meant to be estranged or not estranged, that that's, again, if you don't have your will in place, the court's going to say, yeah, you know what, we're going to go this route anyway, so... We got to be careful about that. There was a celebrity I saw, Howard Hughes. It's a prime example. He's one of the richest people in the world. Died in the late seventies. Le- had no will. Had two hundred distant relatives. They all received a nice check. So <laughs> it's the seventies. So I know we're going a little bit back in time. Yeah, That's hey. a prime example. Exactly. Now apply inflation to that and think about what it would be today. Yeah. Never mind. Another time. <laughs> yeah. Another time. Yeah. Um, But so then after that's the case, again, the court basically will appoint someone to be your executor or executrix uh, to make sure that your your estate's properly managed, that assets are being divided exactly like they expect, and that, you know, money or wishes are going to who the court deems is appropriate at that point. So what does or does not pass through uh, probate in this case? Is there anything that remains outside? Uh, if there's any contract assets you had that you did take the time to, you know, set up uh, transfer on death or payable on death provisions to. I was going to say contracts. Yeah, I, I, I gonna... didn't sign anything <laughs> yeah. on the dotted line. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's just taking the time to, uh, if you, when you set up a bank account or a retirement account or such like that, if you got those beneficiaries in place, those will pass outside of probate. But Okay, so I, I think what you're saying is anything where you can designate a beneficiary is deemed a contract asset. Is that right? Yes. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) Thanks for the clarification. (laughs) Absolutely. Just making sure we're on the same page here. Um, But yeah, so that's where, again, a lot of people who believe have a very simple estate plan that they may not need the documents, the attorney, you can accomplish a lot of the distribution wishes for your assets just based off of designating a beneficiary. Mm -hmm. It's a payable on death for Mm -hmm. bank accounts transfer on death first, you know, taxable accounts, and then retirement accounts, life insurance, you can list beneficiaries, but it all accomplishes essentially the same thing. So um, very important there. But is there anything, anything that we may need to be on the lookout for outside of that? Well, 
I'm not sure if this is what you were thinking of there, but I'll just say one last thing. Um, one aspect is just the court coming in, and, and yes, they get to dictate everything. If you have a larger family, think of it from that perspective, too. You could be just creating a situation with a lot of animosity when you're gone as well, right? Mm-hmm. There's already a lot of grieving, right? Everything's passing to the next generation. The idea that you didn't set it up to your wishes, and then there could be this grief or anger between people who are inheriting assets. That's another reason to not pass into state if you can. Right. Absolutely. And I think the other thing, too, you had mentioned it briefly there, Spencer, but uh, the blended family or the modern family, sure. let's say. You know, you may not necessarily want to provide for a spouse's previous children from another, you know, relationship or anything like that. But also take a look at where we are today, whether you're a domestic partnership, mm-hmm. you know, if, if there's maybe a, a life partner that you have, one of those scenarios where you're not, you know, legally married, so to speak. The courts aren't going to necessarily say, okay, well, you get everything that would be, you know, intended to be passed on essentially as if you're a spouse no that they may be overridden at that point so even still at that you know if you're in those kind of uh relationships or if you have that kind of an arrangement you certainly need to be aware of what this means because you're likely not going to have your wishes carried out as you would expect Mm -hmm. um but the other thing too and and again here we are coming up near the end of the show but last thing here for today what if i have a will but all of a sudden, maybe there's something that's not deemed appropriate in there or all of a sudden is deemed invalid. Is there anything I can do there? Uh, that's a good question. That's one you don't see as often. Um, it's just basically saying, hey, if you had diminished capacity or sure. if you didn't realize you were signing these documents, hey, guess what? We're going to you know, deem them null and void, which is why a lot of states will ask. You have to have witnesses. Mm-hmm. You have to have a notary. So that's where if you're in a position where you have a role within the estate plan, probably shouldn't be signing that document as a witness or as the notary at that point. Well, guys, I hope we uh, gave you more treats than tricks as we were going through this here tonight. Uh, We're coming up on the end of the show here. Again, another fun Halloween edition. Uh, You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.